in the wash and weed in the squash and working mighty hard. Mama had to run to the outhouse. She said, baby, I'll be right back. But the boy set off up the hill and they crawled just as soon as she turned her back, her back, as soon as she turned her back. Mama was back in the blink of an eye, but the boy was nowhere in sight. She searched all over, low and high, when she found him it gave her a terrible fright. At first she couldn't speak, then she started to shriek, Christopher Black, get down. He was sitting up there on the windmill platform, watching the wheels spin around and round, just watching that wheel spin around. He's a born windmill baby. A natural windmill boy He can climb up any tower He's his pappy's pride and joy He got a tail like a monkey And an ice cream in each hand He'll be a wind spinning Water pumping Bonafide windmill man Oh man A bonafide windmill man Papa rolled up in his pickup truck He was tired and mighty beat Mama said if you're hungry you're out of luck You got a job to do before you can't eat We got a baby who's been climbing on the windmill tower You gotta build us a fence this very hour Ah, don't be a fool, Ma, he's learning wind power He can take my place when I'm obsolete He'll be a windmill baby complete And he's a born windmill baby a natural windmill boy He can climb up any tower He's as happy as pride and joy He got a, a tail like a monkey And a rice grip in each hand He'll be a, a wind spinning, water pumping Bonafide windmill man, oh man A bonafide windmill man I played that because the wind was really blowing this morning, mm -hmm. yep. and I thought it'd be really nice if I had a windmill to produce some power. The sun has come out. In the background, we're playing the sunrise ritual because we are proud. I love the sun. Sunshine is good. Especially when it's cold and brisk. This has been an amazing week. Yeah. We has had, it, it not? It started out, uh, well, I guess it was... At the last week that it was really warm, but you know, it started out warm, then it went cold, like almost like it's supposed to be at this time of year. <laughs> and then it uh, got warm again. Sun is keeping us warm and keeping us energized. Did you know that we have a bunch of holidays this next week? I did, kind of. I'd like to hear about them. Though. Okay. <laughs> well, let's start with the um, a few of the happenings. I think we only have one happening, no? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, aside from the holidays, I think we pretty much have just one happening. People people let us down this week. Nobody let us know that there was anything happening. Just because they think that it's the holidays, everybody's going to take the week off. But, not everybody. Yeah. 
big issues on the big screen at the Big Muddy IMC. You want to talk about that? And I'll pull up the holiday mm. list. Okay. Big issues on the big screen at the Big Muddy IMC. Uh, that's, I, love, I like saying that. <laughs> and coming up today, Germany Awake. It's a documentary by filmmaker Erwin Leiser, a refugee from the Nazi regime. Uh, he has specialized in examining the rise of Hitler and the period of the Third Reich. In Germany Awake, the ironic title was a popular rallying cry. His subject is the cinema of the Third Reich, and specifically the dissemination of Nazi propaganda in the feature fictions films, the feature fiction films <laughs> of that period. See, now you see why I wanted you to say it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, it's like the free film Fridays. Feature fiction films. <coughs> Excerpt from numerous 30s German feature films are included, and so are English commentary and subtitles for the parts that aren't English. Um, so that's tonight at 7 p.m. at 214 North Washington in Carbondale. It's pretty interesting. I, you know... Uh, I, I know it can be, uh, what's the word, like, displeasing or depressing to study fascism and things like that, but I think it's very important to study it so that we know what it is, how to prevent it, how to stop it, how to recognize it when we see it. Yeah. So, holidays. Holidays. Well, first of all, there's the sum. Uh, I was gonna say summer solstice. <laughs> uh, well, for half of the world, not our half. Though. <laughs> the the winter equinox is coming up in winter solstice. Why did I just? You just said winter equinox. <laughs> I won't ever well, get it right. Th- there's four of them. You could try if you keep trying. <laughs> you'll get to it. Anyway, the shortest day of the year <laughs> is coming up in two days, mm-hmm. and then the days get longer. So. A lot of people have a festival on that day. And guess what? Hanukkah falls on that day this year. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yep, the first day of Hanukkah begins at sundown, December 21st. And of course, there are eight days. So, (laughs) it's a chance to celebrate that the days are getting longer, and you get a new candle every day. So, that's... That's Hanukkah. And then, of course, there's Christmas Day on December 25th. And then Kwanzaa's is December 26th through January 1st. Boxing Day is December 26th. And then the Islamic New Year, um, December 29th. And it depends on the sighting of the moon in North America. So, Mm -hmm. Um, A few holidays coming up next week. And... I guess feel free to just, starting sun, Sunday, just celebrate every day through, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know, like the 4th of January or something like that. Yeah, it's a celebration time this time. Of year. Yeah, because there's 8 days of Hanukkah, 12 days of Christmas. Um, yeah. I might um, actually be up at dawn this year doing the whole thing of for solstice. Um, it's a tradition among a lot of people to... Either stay up until dawn or be up at dawn so you can see, like, the first light of the returning of the sun. You know, because from that day forward, the days start to get longer. I mean, if you follow the calendar of nature, that should be the new year, right? Yeah, it's the start of new new lights, new new hope in the world. Yeah, just the (laughs) days get longer and 
I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, try to work when it's dark in the evening. Yeah. You know? I mean, it gets dark. It's been getting dark at, like, 4.30. <laughs> yeah. So. It's hard to imagine, too, before all these electric lights and all that, uh, how much it must have meant to them. The sun's going away, going away, and then suddenly, oh, it's coming back. Oh, I bet so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be hard to... I don't think it's possible to sleep 16 hours. I mean... <laughs> not easy <laughs> we can try <laughs> all right let's try it sometime so those are the few of the holidays and did you know actually that every day is a holiday there is some is. festival uh and designated day every day uh-huh. and i tend to go to holidays.net on the web to find what's the current holiday yeah i just sometimes i'll do it every day like you know today is i love pencils day or <laughs> so all right, let's find out what's happening in the world. Um, you've been paying a little bit of attention to um, Greece. Yeah. And then, I mean, pretty much the only thing I've seen in the news is the fact that there are protests happening in other countries in solidarity or, you know, with the people in Greece. Yeah. And... Um, the only thing I know is um, the youth, well, freaked out when the police killed one of them. Yeah. That was like the final straw that the youth and the few pictures I've seen have, it's all been um, very young people and the majority of them women that they have just said, well... I can't take it anymore. Yeah. But there's been no real um, unifying what they can't take. Yeah. It just, they've been, they're basically just saying that the police are forcing, I don't know, forcing things to be too much under control and not allowing any goodness to happen. Yeah. (laughs) That's the, that's pretty much the message I got. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I, I obviously haven't been to Greece, so I don't claim to know too much about it, but I have read up on it a little bit, and it seems like this mix of a, like, a, a right-wing leader in government plus uh, a, a big protest culture that runs contrary to that, like, there's apparently a very big, co- his, a b- very big history of, you know, regular protests in Greece to try to agitate for social change. And then there's also, you know, there's, uh, there's a strong anarchist movement there and anti-authoritarian movements. And there's sort of a, a standoff between, you know, the right-wing people in the government and the, uh, you know, the the, the, the anti-authoritarian, the free-thinking free people. <laughs> I'm try I try not to be too biased in my portrayal of it, you know. <laughs> so, th- so there's you got these basically two factions, neither one of which is wholly unified, you know. But there's in, in society there's like an ongoing uh, tension between them. Because there's protests and responses, and then, you know, for the police to uh, to actually kill someone who, who th- according to the stories you hear from the the protesters' side, th- they weren't actually doing anything dangerous to the police. You know, of course, since the police shot someone, they have to say, "Oh, I I didn't mean to shoot him. I was just trying to fire a warning shot." <laughs> but um, it's it's pretty clear that that's not exactly what happened that they shot at someone who was just a protester or that sort of thing. 
So no. then, like, if you imagine, like, even here in the U.S., where there's not as big of a culture of protest, um, if, if a protester got shot and killed, there would be an outrage to a degree. So over there, where they're already protesting things, it would just, it, you know, mayhem broke loose. And there's a lot of concern over the economy over there, too, that fuels it. So... Yeah, there's not much work for the young people. Yeah, if young people have a bunch of work, then they they might tend to be more conservative and say, okay, things aren't that great, but at least I've got a secure future, you know. But if you don't like what's going on in your society and you don't have a secure future, then you're more likely to do something about it. Yeah, so... So, ongoing street battles and protests and such in Greece. It's a really interesting and important story to keep up on. You mailed two trillion tons, and what do you get <laughs> over two trillion tons of melted ice? Yes. So, <laughs> over two trillion tons of land ice melted in the Arctic since 2003. Now, why have I emphasized land ice? Well, if it's ice that's in the water, floating on the water, it's already displaced the water. Yeah. But if it melts on the land, it causes the oceans to rise. It's like adding ice cubes to the glass of the world. (laughs) The glass of the world. So over two trillion, that's with the T, tons. So it's not two trillion pounds, it's two trillion tons of land ice melted in the Arctic in the past five years. And I want to know who measured that. (laughs) They just get a giant scale and just, like, measure the ice? Well, they (laughs) can figure out, you know, cubic feet. Well, I'm sure they do cubic meters, huh? So, this is according to the space agency NASA, together raising global sea levels by one-fifth of an inch. Quote, the best estimates are that sea levels will rise about 18 to 36 inches by the end of the century. But because of what's going on and how fast things are changing, there's a lot of uncertainty, said NASA. Straight to the source, Associated Press and CNN.com. Yeah, and that's, I want to actually... It's not mentioned here in the article, but I want to mention an interesting website. Um, it's skepticalscience.com, and it's a site where they take all the arguments against global warming and they criticize them. You know, it's it's being skeptical about the so-called skeptics of climate change. Well, I mean, do they criticize them or do they actually provide facts? Oh, yeah, they provide facts. Like, it's a very, you know, information-based website. It's not like a rant or anything. They... They, they take each argument, like, <laughs> it's funny, they've got a little thermometer here, hottest skeptical arguments, and, like, the top one is that it's the sun that's creating the, the change in heat, and it goes through the list of them, and you can click on it, and it says, it explains, you know, maybe there's a, something about their argument that's right, but it misconstrues something else, mm-hmm. and it gives you the information you need to figure it all out. Well, people don't want to know that they are causing global catastrophe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's always going to be someone who says, no, I'm not causing the world to die. I mean, who wants to know that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to know that. I want to continue my life. Yeah. You know? It'd be nice if we could go back to sleep and not know such things are happening. 16 hours a night. <laughs> but, you know, they are happening, so. What's the website again? Uh, skepticalscience.com. Skeptical Science. Yeah. It's good stuff. Well, depressing stuff, but <laughs> important. Like, I go I go in online political chats sometimes and debate global warming. And anytime people come and start saying global warming's a hoax, you know, I pull up that website and 
point out some things to them. And they don't, they get very unhappy. <laughs> well, let's get a little happy now. A car in every port. Yes. China's first mass-produced hybrid car goes on sale. And guess what? It went on sale on Monday. That's right. China's first mass-produced hybrid electric car hit the market on Monday, its manufacturer said, in a move aimed at driving the nation to the cutting edge of the world's green auto industry. The car is made by BYD Auto, a Chinese company backed by American Warren Buffett, one of the world's most successful investors. Warren Buffett owns 9.9% of the firm. Straight to the source, Auguste French Presse. <laughs> so, hybrid electric cars. Yes. I mean, in my mind, by 2050, we're not going to be able to have personal cars as we know it. That's truly where I forecast it. Mm-hmm. That if you want to drive around in a vehicle that can hold four or five people, it's not going to happen anymore. Um, if you go on a long trip, there'll be vehicles like that, but you'll be required by law to have you know at least two other people in the car with you. Mm-hmm. And everything will be... Um, I just think that the personal vehicle, if there's a personal vehicle, will be a vehicle that can hold one person. And that it'll only be vehicles that, you know, drive around town, and if you want to leave town, you have to take public transportation, you know, or majorly carpool. I don't even think the car as we know it will be around. Yeah, I don't know. I think if they do electric cars, it might still be around. But even the electric cars, they're currently, most of them are currently drawing on power plants that still use, you know, coal, nuclear which, you know, it's it's still a more efficient thing, but you're still draw. It's like, you know, I'm doing 10% of destruction instead of 50% of destruction. Right. You know? <laughs> so, well, I mean, as long as, the, I mean, in the interim and in transition, you could charge electric cars at night because the power plants have the power and it's not being used. Yeah. But our energy requirements are going up 3 to 5% a year, and we're not building new power plants. Yeah. So we can't really tack on a bunch of new power. So, I mean, uh, the only way to use electric cars would be to charge them at night. And um, I don't know. I just, I truly believe that the personal vehicle will no longer be available by 2050. Mm-hmm. So, if we're still alive in 2050, mm-hmm. yeah, you can come over and hit me upside the head. <laughs> Uh, someone's probably writing notes right now. Hit or upside the head, twenty fifty. Yeah. All right. But hey, if I'm right, everybody has to give me a kiss. <laughs> so there we go. Your choices in twenty fifty. So. Okay. Let's see. Uh, in other news, uh, we should mention some of this. Transition talk. Come together right now over green. Uh, ah, you're gonna have to sing. Come that. together right now. Right now. Overgreen. I like that. I'm going to... That's a new theme song. Yeah. <laughs> a united environmental community gets attention from the Obama team. Hands together, enviros come together to pitch Obama on green plan. Now, this is interesting to me because some of his other uh, choices for job positions have made me very unhappy. <laughs> but uh, I was very happy to hear some of this news that they're going to talk about here. Uh Green groups in D.C. seem downright giddy about all the signals they're getting from Obamaland thus far. 
from appointments. To Obama keep- Land. Obama Land. Yeah. Is that going to be the new White House theme park? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I've, I, they've started talking about it as Obama Land. <laughs> At least they don't call him the one yet. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually, over time, they might. Obama Land. Okay. I mean, it sounds. It's said by his followers, but it sounds almost derogatory, like, oh, he's off in Obama land. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. From appointments to key posts to his pledge earlier this month to, quote, lost a massive effort to make public buildings more energy efficient, there's a lot of anticipation that the next four years will bring major changes to energy and climate policy. And according to environmental leaders, they're getting plenty of attention from the transition team. Quote, we're not having to bang down the door at the Obama administration, said Melinda Pierce, Deputy Legislative Director for the Sierra Club. She noted that by the first week of December, the Obama team was already reaching out to Green leaders and meeting with them about transition efforts at the EPA and the Departments of Energy, Interior, and State. Quote, I was around for the Clinton transition, and I don't recall their proactively reaching out and meeting with stakeholders. Certainly not before January, added Pierce. I think it was more a cause of environmentalists beating on the door and saying, here are our priorities. The Obama transition has its act together and is systematically inviting stakeholders to weigh in on budget and policy priorities. So, interesting stuff. They, The Obama camp, for its part, is publicizing its work with Green Leaders. Uh, it posted a video showing transition team members meeting with the heads of several big environmental groups to discuss the Transition to Green report. Well, the truth be told, I mean, you know, green people have had eight years to put together a plan of the future. Yeah, and they've been doing it. You know, I mean, and they've been putting together a very comprehensive, detailed plan of the future. So it makes no sense for, you know, Obama land to Mm. come up with their own plan when there's already all these groups that have come up with plans already. Yeah, why reinvent the wheel? Yeah, and I mean... And get them on board and bring, you know, they're, they're the experts that have spent, you know, countless time and money to put together a plan. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Me too. So. And it doesn't mention it here, but I've had a column by Van Jones. Um, he was talking about the new Department of Labor pick, who apparently is very friendly to environmental issues. Apparently is someone who has already worked with them in formulating, you know, green jobs programs and plans. So it's encouraging news. Uh, we... We have to keep a careful eye on them to be sure they're doing good stuff. But, you know, when they are doing good stuff, we can mention it and, you know, give them the thumbs up. So are you saying maybe that we still have to watch them even though that they brought these green groups on board? The green groups might be so enthralled that they're working Mm -hmm. in the process to not notice that they're screwing up the process? Yeah. (laughs) Wow, Tree Song. (laughs) (laughs) I know I sound cynical sometimes, but it it doesn't hurt to pay attention, you know. If everything goes smoothly, then you could say, oh, I, you know, wasted a little bit of my attention there. But it's better than the alternative. So I want to know if you did all the uh, aphrodisiacs last week. Oh, uh, no, I actually only did this the next one. I repeated okay. the first one and did the next one. Okay, so we have, um, actually, I want to do this article here um, real quick. Where did it go? <laughs> the Recycling Sex Toy Program. <laughs> well, over a year ago we brought you news about Love Honey, a United Kingdom company that launched a sex toy recycling campaign to keep e-waste from sex toys out of landfill. 
their campaign collected over one ton of used toys. Now a Florida-based company called Dreamscapes wants to do right by the earth and has launched one of the U.S.'s first sex toy recycling program. Now you can get $10 for your old toys and you can keep the landfills cleaned of these so little discussed items of e-waste. Not all, but some toys vibrate, which means they have electronic parts and batteries, keeping these as well as plastics, rubber, and silicone out of landfills is important, and Dreamscape recognizes it. The Recycle Your Sex Toy program, that's their actual title, and it's really original, I know, but it helps to properly recycle and reuse the materials from the toys. All you have to do is send off your, well, well-washed toys to Dreamscape. They'll promptly send you a $10 gift certificate to their online store as a thank you. Then they'll dissemble it, and everything will be properly recycled. So, including the batteries. Yeah, including mm-hmm. the batteries. So now let's get to five surprisingly effective all-natural aphrodisiacs that you probably have in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. But before I do that, I want you hanging mm-hmm. because I have the five stupid celebrity how to save the planet quotes of the decade. Mm-hmm. I'm turning into like. This this show is turning into one of those, what do you call it? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and now five, celebrity. Yes. How we're to save the planet. <laughs> we're getting excited. We're infotainment. There you go. We're becoming infotainment. <laughs> the five stupid celebrity, how to save the planet quotes of the decade. As we get closer to shutting down the first decade of the millennium, we have many found celebrity comments that have echoed across the headlines and made us all laugh. At least a few of us, anyway. While these quotes are undoubtedly intended to appear intelligent and conscientious of the planet in some shape or form, they just don't quite make it across the headlines the way they would have liked. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do the top one. And just like our best aphrodisiacs, we're going to try to do one of the week. Mm -hmm. Here are our five top examples. Jennifer Aniston said, I take a three-minute shower, even brush my teeth while in the shower. Mm -hmm. We know that she was trying to get the idea of water conservation across here, but technically, you don't need any water to brush your teeth until you rinse the brush off at the end. So where's the water savings in this? But that's okay. We still love you, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. So, would you like to... Celebrities say the darndest things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The source to that was moono.com. Okay. Join us next week for How to Save the Planet, Quotes of the Decade, <laughs> from Celebrities. Okay. So should I go ahead and jump in there with the third ingredient? Jump into the sex aphrodisiac <laughs> toy fun. <Yes. laughs> We've already made it to surprisingly sexy ingredient number three. <laughs> Excuse me. Should we reiterate number one and two? Oh, yes, we can reiterate one and two. Uh, number one was cornstarch for its... Uh, uh, alluring sensual texture. Number two was tomatoes, both for the, the sensual way of eating it and for some of the nutrients in there. The apple of love. Yes, the apple of love. <laughs> and you could also almost call this one an a- apple of love, too. Sexy ingredient number three, avocados. Okay, so now that you're in the mood and have all your muscles functioning for the action that lies ahead, 
It's time to prepare for the main course. Don't let that sexy tomato get lonely. Poor sexy tomato. <laughs> Add a side of avocado. The texture of the inside of this fruit is as delicate and soft as some body parts, and you can eat it, or you can rub it on each other's skins. Or both. Oh. In addition to its sensuous texture, the avocado also has a sensuous function. The high-quality vitamin E content of this superfood can boost the state of arousal and intensity of orgasm. From start, that foreplay, to finish in orgasm, this little green love goddess has you covered. I knew there was a reason why I loved avocados so much. <laughs> I'm naturally drawn to them. Yeah. And now I discover why. And join us next week for sexy ingredient number four in your aphrodisiac. I forgot what. <laughs> <laughs> this okay. has been another exciting, hopefully, yes, informative, definitely. hopefully, definitely, <laughs> your community spirit with. We never introduced ourselves. We didn't today. Uh, I'm Tree Song. I'm not introducing myself. <laughs> this is Zord Energy Mon. We'll see you again next week on the radio.